You're listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Just a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we could produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, at Podmania, YouTube, and Instagram, at The Real Podmania. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at www.podmania.weebly.com. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pod Mania podcast. I'm your host Rob Goodwin, and I am once again joined by a very cold-ridden and snotty Garth Jackson. How are you, my <laughs> Thank friend? Thank you. <laughs> Not too bad. Yeah, got my lemon sip, so I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> is that your drink of choice for this podcast? For this one, it is. Yeah, it's not beer this time. Oh dear, that's uh, <laughs> that's depressing. <laughs> But we are extremely happy to be back and talking about Ring of Honor, episode 364, and Impact from the 6th of September. First thing to note is the fact that my audio is fixed, thank Christ. I apologise to anyone that had to endure our podcast last week with Mr. Gainy Gain over here. Uh, it was a terrible, terrible sound coming out of my microphone, but it's fixed now, so thank you for being so patient. Uh, second thing to note is we are starting our own fancy wrestling promotion, aren't we, Garth? <laughs> yep. Because doing a wrestling podcast doesn't make us nerds enough. So <laughs> what we're doing is we are doing Fire Pro Wrestling, and I've got a show, Garth's got a show, and Chris has got a show. We've recently done the draft. That will be up on YouTube this weekend. Uh, and then each week we will bring you a show, whether it's mine, whether it's Chris's, or whether it's Garth's. It's going to be good fun. The draft was a good laugh, so I'm looking forward to doing this, Garth. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm spending the last week sort of setting everything up, getting it ready, being totally, totally nerdy with graphics and, yeah, hopefully it pays off. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm certainly looking forward to it. Um, I will just note now, ladies and gentlemen, that Garth, if you haven't, uh, at the point in your listening to this, if you haven't listened to the draft or watched the draft, um, Garth, it almost looks like you cheated. <laughs> because at one point, me and Chris probably had one main event, uh, one decent main event between us, and Garth ended up with pretty much every top guy. It was, think, yeah, it was alarming to say yeah. the least. And I started sweating. Yeah, <laughs> how am I going to get all these guys on one show? If you want to watch a rerun of how WCW went out of business. <laughs> Just tune into Garth's show. <laughs> anyway, enough about fancy wrestling. Let's talk about real wrestling. Now, before I talk about Ring of Honor and Impact this week, I'm going to drop just a little bit of WWE into the fray. Garth, we had news drop just before Monday Night Raw last night that Jonathan Coachman is no more on the Raw announced team. Thank Christ, yeah. someone in wrestling <laughs> heaven listened. Um, he has been put onto the um, the pre-show panel. I believe he's leading. Um, him and David Otunga. God, the fun will never start. Wow. And uh, Rene Young has been put on the commentary table full time. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's up. That can surely only be a good thing. Yeah, I mean, she, she's done the odd bit when she used to do the NXT stuff. Um, it always seemed to work out. I mean, when they used to do the the panel. And they would sort of commentate on the sort of opening match. Yeah. Like the pre-show stuff. And she was always, she knew our stuff. Um, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens if she comments on the Dean Ambrose match. Yeah, true. True. Because it's sort of out there now, isn't it? That they're a couple. 
Well, they're married. Yeah. Um, to be perfectly honest, um, I mean, she's commentated on one match, or she's been on the announced table when Dean Ambrose has wrestled. I yeah. don't think it's going to be a case of, oh, well, she's commentating on her husband. Yeah. I think she'll be professional. She's an incredibly professional human being from I think it could, purposes. It, I think it could play quite well into a story, though. It could. It could, but I hope they leave that for a couple of years. Let Renee oh, yeah, get yeah. her feet, you know, find her feet at the commentary booth. She's, you know, she's a drastic, drastic improvement on Jonathan Coachman. Um, I, I would, no, it would be brilliant if she turned out to be a complete heel commentator. <laughs> <laughs> that just wouldn't work. She's too just, nice. Just, just totally healing it up. <laughs> exactly. That's as ridiculous as turning Becky Lynch heel. <laughs> did oh, you no, see, um, Did you see Sabu's tweet about it? Do I want to know about Sabu's tweet about it? Yeah. Because if it's it, the same as New Jack's tweet... It when, wasn't very nice. Well, I, for all... For I mean, basically, Taz put a tweet out saying congratulations, uh, and then and then Sabu replied to his tweet, basically saying, the, what was it, the, the first non-fag, but a long line of cocksuckers. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Eloquent as ever in his language. So someone's never going back to WWE. Well, <laughs> I think we pretty much knew that. That might be the final nail in the coffin, but good grief. Um, so, yeah, overall, good news. Um, yeah. I think that Rene offers a lot more than Jonathan Coachman ever did. Why they gave Jonathan Coachman another chance, I'll, I'll never know. But good news, and hopefully it's the first of many, many good commentary outings by Rene. Um, going back to... Our forte at the moment, uh, Ring of Honor and Impact, a good week of wrestling, Garth. Really good, yeah. Both, I mean, watching both the shows when they ended, like both times, I was sort of surprised because there seemed a flyover. There was no, wasn't really any filler in any of the shows this week, which was good. No, I think it did help, especially with Ring of Honor. We only had two matches, but mm-hmm. in 51 minutes, obviously, we had a 30 minute Iron Man match. And, you know, that was obviously the central focus. Um, when I started watching, I did think, are oh, they just going to make this episode 30 minutes and just build it around this match? Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously we had other matches, we had other backstage segments, things like that. Um, but overall, I thought both Ring of Honor and Impact delivered this week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. We'll get into Impact very, very shortly. We'll start, as always, with Ring of Honor. But I just want to quickly say, um, I know I slam impact quite a lot for the way they structure their show um i often say that you know they they focus far too much on backstage segments or you know they'll still have two marquee matches left and there'll only be 10 minutes left in the show because they've shoved in about 25 backstage segments all of which don't really matter um i thought this week you know as you said garth it went very quickly it was good wrestling when it happened and with one notable exception which we'll get into and I just, I really enjoyed both shows. Yeah, it was good, yeah. And, you know, we had, well, let's start with Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor, episode 364, taking place from center stage in Atlanta. We cut straight to a brawl in the ring. We were due to have Frankie Kazarian and Mark Briscoe in singles action. Obviously, the addiction are taking on the Briscoes at Death Before Dishonor, and obviously, uh, either, was it last? I think it was last week. We had Jay Briscoe taking on Christopher Daniels. 
Um, yeah. So this is sort of the next logical step in the rivalry between these two. Um, it was a, you know, it was, it was a solid match. It did what it needed to do. And I think I thought. Go on. Yeah, it actually was quite. I thought I'd missed the opening. I did have to rewind it to be fair, just just to double check that I hadn't missed the opening. <laughs> um, but Ian Rickaboni just said that obviously the the brawl had spilled out into the ring, which uh, is a nice way to cover it up. Um, yeah. But you know they went they went. It wasn't just a brawl. Uh, we had. Kazarian hitting a lung blower followed by a code breaker, which was quite nice, sort of a springboard yeah, code breaker, which was really nice. Um the one thing that I will that sort of I won't say it irritated me because obviously this is the next instalment of a feud of an of a much bigger picture, um, was that this was a match clearly set so that the ending could take place. Yeah. Um yeah. obviously the ending was more important. Um Jay Briscoe makes his way to the ring, attacks Kazarian, um, or distracts Kazarian, I should say. Uh, Mark Briscoe goes to the top to hit a froggy bow. He misses, and Kazarian rolls him up with a crucifix for the victory. Um, after the match, Jay Briscoe then attacks Kazarian. Kazarian, um, his partners, Christopher Daniels, Scorpio Sky, make the save. And then Punishment Martinez arrived. Um, with an awesome choke slam. With an awesome <laughs> choke slam, the South of Heaven choke slam is a pretty, a pretty substantial choke slam. But when this first happened, I was like, "Has he just wandered into the wrong arena? <laughs> is he just like, oh, there's a fire getting on here?" And then obviously, uh, the commentary team did a fantastic job of um, sort of backtracking and explaining why Punishment Martinez might get involved. They talked about how. Um, Scorpio Sky came and saved Chris Saban after after Punishment Martinez's beatdown. So I assume at some point we will be getting the Briscoes and Punishment Martinez taking on SoCal Uncensored. Yeah. Question. At the moment, heading into Death Before Dishonor, which is on September the 28th, I believe, Mm -hmm. um, with the Briscoes standing tall here, which they did. Jay Briscoe hit the J-Driller on Scorpio Sky. Uh, Martinez hit Daniels with the South of Heaven Chokeslam. I mean, do you see the Briscoes holding the titles? I mean, we have discussed this before. Yeah. Has your so opinion contracts changed? And things. Um, I don't know because it's honestly one of those ones where it could go either way and it would work either way. Mm. But like both sort of outcomes would serve a purpose to the story. Um, I just, I don't think with Martinez they'll win the titles, the Briscoes. I think it'll come when it's just the the four of them. Mm. Not a six man. Well, Martinez um, is in action at Death Before Dishonor taking on Chris Saban. Mm -hmm. Um... I mean, we talked about before on the podcast about the storyline with SoCal Uncensored needing the titles to effectively keep their jobs. Yeah. Um, so would it make sense to do it this early on? You know, we've still got, what, three months until the end of the year. Yeah. It would make a lot more sense to, you know, drag that out a bit. So 
in my opinion, I see a screwy finish happening. Yeah. But one that makes sense storyline-wise. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Punishment Martinez isn't in the match, if it isn't a six-man, and it's sort of the addiction with Scorpio Sky elsewhere, something's going to happen. I think at the moment, at the moment, it is just the addiction taking on the Briscoes. Right. So... I think if that's the case, maybe Scorpio Sky gets involved with Punishment Martinez's match. Then something happens with the tag match. The one thing I would say there is, is that too much or too many screwy finishes in one show. Yeah. And you know, Death Before Dishonor is a big show for Ring of Honor as well. Or you've got, obviously there's always, the, like, it could be some sort of backstage attack or something like that. Potentially. There's, just, lo- there's lots of different angles that they could go down. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, that's that's what's good. It's keep, sort of keeping us guessing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. There are lots of different things they can do, which is good. Um, the commentary team then say because of the thirty-minute Iron Man match, obviously we haven't got chance or uh, we haven't got the ability to show you a full match. We just don't have the time. So they showed us um, a clip of the aftermath of a triple threat tag team match between the Bouncers, which mm-hmm. is Beer City Bruiser and Brian Millenas. Uh, the Dogs, which is Rhett Titus and Wilt Ferreira, and then Cheeseburger and Ryan Nova. Now, we don't actually see the match. We see the the aftermath, let's say. Um, the Bouncers have won at this point. Cheeseburger goes to check on uh, Ryan Nova when Ferreira attacks him from behind. The Dogs then double-team uh, Cheeseburger. Um, Ferreira hits Nova with... The that palm strike fish, I think it's called the Shotai. Yeah, he's um, pinched off Liger. Yes, it is. Yeah, Liger used it quite a lot. Um, and then there's a lovely sort of underdog image where they're holding Cheeseburger, and as Ferreira, who Cheeseburger <laughs> used to tag with, um, attempt was about to hit another Shotai, Cheeseburger spits in his face. <laughs> Um, and Ferreira hit him with the show day. So, yeah. just like an odd segment. It's like an odd part to show. <laughs> I know a couple of months ago, uh, Cheeseburger and Ferreira were a tag team, and for all intents and purposes, I think they were a job a tag team. Please correct me if I'm wrong in the comments. Mm. But um, that feud sort of went a bit cold. Um, I'm not entirely sure. Um, why? So they're yeah. obviously returning to it now. Yeah, they, I mean, they did mention that. that, that they said something like, uh, how long is this feud going to continue or something like that? Yeah, so it's obviously been bubbling underneath, but now it's being brought back to the surface, which is fine, which is fine. Cheeseburger mm. makes me laugh. <laughs> um, we then had a little bit of backstage action from the growing heat between Bully Ray and Silas Young. We went back to two weeks ago after Flip Gordon was attacked by Bully. Um, and then um, we sort of had the confrontation between Silas Young and Bully after their tag match the other week. So I think that could could be a good match, if they have a match. It could be, yeah. Um, I just hope, beyond hope, that it's not just going to be a, um, a screwy finish, which yeah. obviously it's going to be with Bully Ray and Bully Ray's current <laughs> character and him being a pure-ass heel. But I just hope that we get a more substantial match out of the two. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, we then moved on to tonight's main event, the 30-minute Ironman match for the Ring of Honor World Championship. We had Jay Lethal, the champion, taking on Jonathan Grisham. What do we think, Garth? Um, I enjoyed it, but the one thing that I've got it written down, um, I've got too many dumb slaps. <laughs> there were it a just, lot of slaps, to be fair. It just started really sort of, sort of grinding on us, um, as if they didn't, as if they didn't have anything to fill those gaps. They just every opportunity, they're just giving each other like a slap or a knife edge or. Um, I mean, there was a nice moment when they were doing all of this and obviously they were playing the whole sort of respect each other role, but then Lethal just seemed to go full on heel and do like a sort of neck jab, which sort of chops him in the throat. Yeah. I mean, what I've got um, written in my notes is that for 20 minutes, you know, of a 30-minute match, 20 minutes were telling the story that Lethal and Gresham there was nothing between them. Yeah. A lot of it was catch wrestling. Colt Cabana talked to us a bit about uh, catch wrestling. A lot of it was chain wrestling. A lot of it was mat wrestling and reversing I, each other's like, holds. I enjoyed all of that. I really, like That was really good. And yeah. You can see where sort of Gresham's real skill is in the whole sort of, basically sort of targeting every part of your body. Yeah. Um, I mean... I enjoyed um, Grisham's attack of the arm. Mm-hmm. Obviously, without the arm, lethal can't hit the lethal injection. Yeah. Um, you know, Grisham showed ridiculous strength as well. He had a deadlift German suplex, which is you know no mean feat. Jay Lethal is not a small <laughs> man. No. Um, and then the one thing I thought, what well, I thought at one point we were going to go full Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and go nil nil. Yeah. Um, until like the last couple of minutes, um, and that my theory was sort of cemented a bit when Grisham trapped Lethal in the octopus hold, yeah, um, and Lethal tapped out, which I didn't expect. Um, don't get me wrong, I did expect Grisham to get the first uh, fall, but I thought it'd be far earlier in the match. Yeah, it was like right, it was like three minutes before the end, wasn't it? Yeah, he. This was when the match really took off for me. The drama, the way the commentary team was selling it, the way they were telling Grisham, just keep out of his way for the next three <laughs> hide, minutes. Hide under the ring. Hide under <laughs> the ring, I think Gorgabana said. Um, but you could see it in Grisham's face. Grisham did a fantastic job of selling it. Um, however, Lethal clicked into gear here. Mm-hmm. Um, he locked in the figure four leg lock, which he seemed to be in for ages Grisham he seemed to be in it for absolutely ages and with 90 seconds left he tapped out and at this point I was like there is absolutely no way the title is changing hands I mean to be honest at the start of the match I didn't think the title was changing hands but not on a a TV show no but well saying that Jay Lethal won it on a TV show so yeah yeah. Um, (laughs) I mean that really got me invested in the storyline, but once that happened, I was like, I was really deflated. I was like, God's sake, poor Grisham, he just can't catch a break. <laughs> um, but for the next 90 seconds, this made me laugh, where Grisham just kind of lost his head and just attempted to pin Jay Lethal about 50 <laughs> times, yeah. with Lethal repeatedly <laughs> kicking out. Um, 
It was eventually declared a draw, which, good grief, the crowd did not enjoy that, did they? No, because, I mean, all through the match, you could hear the crowd getting sort of... It started off really quiet and sort of slow, and I suppose that's... I mean, that's the sign of a good Ironman match. The crowd increasingly, increasingly invested, and they're getting louder and louder as it goes on. Yeah. I mean, at the end there, when he was in that figure four, you could hear everyone, like, screaming at him. So it really made the... It helped the whole sort of the overall feel of the match. Cole Cabana made me laugh here. He said, oh, you can't boo this. Yes, you can. Uh, yeah. This is the one outcome that everyone can indeed boo. <laughs> um. Anyway, with it being in Grisham's home state, Grisham grabbed a microphone, said that, you know, there's no way that the people here should be treated to a draw. They should have an outright champion. And, you know, Lethal, if you are the champion that I think you are, you'll give me five more minutes. And because of that respect that Jay Lethal obviously has uh, for Jonathan Grisham, he just said, start the clock, and we started the clock again. <laughs> Which we had three minutes then of near frantic action. It was brilliant. It, it was, was really, really good. It was fantastic. We had so many counters and near falls. Just, yeah. Yeah. Really good. There's two main bits here. Lethal hit a torture rack and a flying elbow, um, which I did think would be the end. Uh, Grisham mm. kicked out. Um, Grisham then locked in a sleeper hold, <laughs> um, which the crowd was exceptionally into, but Lethal got out of that. With a it was good in. how um, they sold that, the commentary team, because they said they made it, the move sort of sound powerful. The, the fact that he'd um, sort of made quite a lot of other people tap out with it. But they said, because the toll the match has taken on it, couldn't grip it in properly. Yeah. And that obviously helped towards sort of the reason why Jay Lethal could kick out of it, which really, really good. Like, I think the Capri team really did a good job with this match, especially. They did. I mean, whenever Caprice Coleman is on commentary, I don't really see what he adds, because for me, he just does the same job as Colt Cabana. But... I, I did really appreciate the commentary team here. Like I say, that last seven, eight minutes of the actual, you know, the ordinary time, that was fantastic. And that was in part due to the commentary team doing such a good job. And the yeah. same here for the overtime. Uh, eventually, however, Lethal showed his championship pedigree, uh, hit the lethal injection for the victory. 33 minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, the show ended with both men receiving a standing ovation from the yeah. crowd. Um, my overall thought, this didn't need to be an Iron Man match. No, it could have just been a normal match. It could have been because you could have cut the 20 minutes of chain wrestling, catch wrestling. You know, wonderful display as it was of their wrestling talent. Um, it felt a bit flat until about 22, 23 minutes. Yeah. Um, Pretty much until the deadlift German suplex. Yeah, and then they had the had the the part where Grisham came out of the corner and just had a series of sort of really really good sort of counters, and then the bit where um, Giolito went for the lethal injection, he sort of kicked his hand away, just all that sort of thing. I just thought it was really really sort of you could see Grisham is like a really really smart wrestler. Yeah, and. I certainly hope that we see more of him in the title picture. He will have a title. There's there's no doubt about that. They're putting a lot of stock in this man. I was, well, Rightly I was watching so. it. I was watching it and I was thinking all the way. I was like, 
he reminds me of someone and I can't think who. And then when he did the um when he did the deadlift sort of power um power slam, I just thought it's Dean Malenko. <laughs> That's He's like Dean Malenko. High praise indeed. High yeah, praise like, indeed. Like sort of quite squat but powerful, but with moves for for any occasion. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I thought if I had to give the match a mark out of ten, I'd give it seven and a half. Yeah. Um, I thought the overall structure was good. I just think it didn't need the Iron Man stipulation. Yeah, because with an Iron Man, you always, I mean, every Iron Man that I've seen, they always have this feeling out slow burn for the first quarter of it. Yeah. Um, but, but, for a match that was built on respect, and I think the chops and the slaps, the, to me, that's an, it's quite an insulting move. It's a bit like a sort of slap to the face. It's like Ric Flair used it as it was one of his main heel moves. And I just think when the, the train slaps all the time, it doesn't, to me, that doesn't invoke a sort of feeling of respect. No, I think it was a case of, right, we have respect for each other, but let's see which one is tougher. Yeah. And I don't think the chops bothered me as much as it bothered you. I don't um, I mean I like a good chop, but it just it seemed to sort of for every chop well, series of chops that did it sort of lost its I don't know, meaning. It didn't really mean anything. It didn't help that Grisham's chops were a lot softer than Lethal's. Mm-hmm. I don't think that helped. Um, but I feel like we're being slightly pernickety here. This oh, was yeah, yeah, yeah. this was an excellent match, a really, Rest, really good yeah. match. Wrestling wise, it was really, really good. Yeah, and story wise, it was good as well. Yeah, they've done a fantastic job put piecing this match together. We are being incredibly pernickety. Uh, <laughs> blame it on Garth's cold. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, we move on to Impact Wrestling now from the sixth of September. Um, I don't know how many more shows we've got from the uh, Rebel Center in Toronto, but I hope it's relatively soon we leave. Um, <laughs> I think they was... did they not see it next week? Well, now, Garth, I believe, I could be wrong, <laughs> I believe that there are some Mexico tapings coming up. That's right, yes. Um, I now, yeah, I'm just trying to think if I've made that up or if I've seen an advert for it somewhere. I think you might have seen it subliminally because it's shown every third frame. Yes. On an impact show. Good grief. <laughs> to be fair, I will say that they toned it down a lot this week. Oh yeah, yeah. Last definitely. week we had four adverts for it, which was just obscene. And the UK shows as well. The UK show, which apparently was an absolutely amazing show. And uh, we're one that I'm going to try and check out and do a hot take podcast. But um, I've heard it was ex- exceptionally good with um, the Sammy Callahan and Jimmy Havoc match, drawing particular praise. Yeah, I saw some write ups about that, yeah. Um, but looking at this show, um, all jokes aside, we had uh, five matches. Uh, we relied a lot less on backstage segments. Um, and we let the wrestling talk, which was, you know, when there was storylines that needed to be advanced, we advanced them in the ring, which was the perfect thing. Um, 
the main thing of the show was Moose explaining why he turned on Eddie, Eddie Edwards at uh, Redefined. Um, we got two wonderful segments, which I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. And we have our title match for Bound for Glory, seemingly. Yeah. So we'll dive straight in. We started with a rematch from Redefined between Petey Williams and Rich Swan. Every time I see Rich Swan, I just think he's fantastic. I really yeah. do. Just criminally, really criminally underused. Um, I feel like he was let go far before his time. Yeah, just um, had that misfortunate sort of was it an arrest or something. It was. Who are we to say? But it is. It was an allegation that he has yeah. been abusive towards his wife, or he'd yeah. been. It, I I don't know the ins and outs of it. Um, he was, it was released without charge. It was dropped. Um, but obviously the WWE the entertainment goliath that they are can't be seen to be doing stuff like that randy orton um with his cock in people's hands um you know but stuff like that Steve Austin. yeah exactly you know there's been countless examples of stuff like this that the wwe just gloss over when they feel like it um but obviously rich one wasn't a big enough name for that to happen to him so there we are anyway this match thought this match was excellent yeah. Um, I, I think, think any anyone who goes in with Petey Williams, they're going to get a good match. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's at this. I mean, he's, at this point, he's he is a veteran. He's he knows exactly what he's doing. And I think Rich One's a really good sort of. They play off each other really well. They do. It's a, it, I mean, it's not a rivalry. It's a sort of let's see what we can do sort of match. But exactly. It really worked. It's almost compatriots trying to mm-hmm. one-up each other as opposed to yeah. an actual full-on match. I mean, there was two storylines in this match. There was the ma- storyline where Swan would come up with new and ingenious ways of countering PT hitting the Canadian Destroyer. Yeah. And then there was the more forward storyline of Matt Seidel, who was taking <laughs> a bit of a liking to Rich Swan. Yeah. Um, it's quite a sort of disturbing sort of obsession he has with him at the minute yeah yeah it was um he comes on to commentary uh with don Callis and josh matthews i thought he was brilliant by the way and i thought, I thought don Callis was ace with him i was gonna say him him and don really really worked well um sort of playing off each other exactly and everything he said um everything that rich swan did um matt seidel was saying yeah that's because he needs to be enlightened now i can push him further than this and in the ring, what was making me laugh was Matt Seidel was saying all these things about how he needed to open his third eye, how he needed to become enlightened, how he needed to follow in his footsteps. And in the ring, Rich Swan was absolutely dominating. <laughs> He'd hit a running shooting star press, which had got him a two count, which had did like finished the... Did like a 450 outside. 450 on the outside. He did a Michinuku driver. And as he was going up to the top rope to hit the Phoenix Splash... Matt Seidel went, I'm going to go and support him. I'm going to go and support him. <laughs> went to go and sit on the ramp, applauding Rich Swan, going, go for it, Rich. You're doing really well. Um, anyway, Swan misses, obviously. <laughs> um, and Peter Williams hits the Canadian Destroyer for the win. Um, really good match. Yeah. Just really good really way to solid opener, yeah. Yeah, it was. It wasn't too long. And I thought this stood up next to their redefined match. And the story... 
worked with the match as well. It did. It did. Um, we then cut backstage, and Rich Swan is pissed. He's <laughs> not impressed. Um, he sees Matt Seidel. Matt Seidel um, basically just says, I'm going to show you the way. Rich Swan says, if he sees him again, he's going to beat the shit out of him, basically. <laughs> Stay the hell away from me. Which, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, we then get our second match. I was extremely impressed at this, Garth, because by the 20-minute mark, we were in our second match. I know. When does this ever happen on Impact? <laughs> um, they've obviously got something. Somebody's told them. Shit, we've got some stories we need to advance. <laughs> exactly. So we had the Desi Hit Squad, introduced as always by Gama Singh, taking on the team of Joe Hendry and Grado. See here, that the Desi Hit Squad got a really, really good, bad reception. They did. They got, like loads of booze. They did. Which is what you want. They did. And they did have some good tandem offense as well. Yeah. Um. Question Your first yep. impulse. Do you see the Desi Hit Squad as tag team contenders? Not really. No, I don't. I see them. I mean, they're a decent tag team. Um, but as Joe Henry points out in his song, they don't even wear the same gear. <laughs> That's true. I think we should talk for a moment about Joe Henry's entrance song, his custom <laughs> entrance called Platonic Love, which genuinely I laughed for about 15 minutes. I laughed the majority of the way through this match yeah. because... <laughs> I found it so just ridiculously funny. Um, I mean, he called the Desi Hit Squad, what was it, the Desi Shit Squad or something? I can't remember what it was, but it, it just because just he mentioned they don't wear the same yeah. pants or something. How can you be a good tag team when you don't even wear the same gear? He called them the Desi Shit Squad or the Desi Shite Squad, I can't remember. Um, and he then went on to talk about how he was in love with uh, his best friend's girlfriend, but in a platonic way, which sort of built on the thing where, well, Joe Hendry and Katarina are obviously having an, you know, an affair behind Grado's back. We get to the match, and this match is all Joe Hendry. Yeah, just I can't believe, like I haven't really seen much of Joe Hendry, but Jesus Christ, he's strong. <laughs> There's one moment, and it's probably the only moment worth mentioning in this match. Um, there's one moment where he has both members of the Desi Hit Squad and hits them with a double fall-away slam. Yeah, um, incredible. He is a ridiculously strong man. A ridiculously strong man. Um, Grado tags in, attempts a cannonball and misses. At this point, Hendry's knocked to the floor and the Desi Hit Squad win with a sky high. I um, thought they were. I thought they were all right. Actually, the Desi Hit Squad. I think that actually worked well together. They had some good sort of double team moves. Yeah, they're just they're just a good tag team, like a decent team. They're not they're nowhere near champions. I felt post Slammiversary when they ran in and attacked Petey Williams and Taji Shimori. Mm-hmm. I thought that they were going to be pushed. Now, yeah. obviously, with things that go on later on, um. We know that Bound for Glory, we've got another tag match between the OGs and um, LAX for the championship. Yeah. So obviously, the championships, as it has been for quite a while, is tied up in that feud. But during that time, surely you want to build tag teams to challenge them. Desi Hitchcock, yeah. they seem to be half doing that with. But 
there at the moment playing second fiddle to a lot of other storylines. Yeah, it's like they're on a sort of in a hold pattern at the minute. Yeah, it made no sense for me for them to lose to Petey Williams and Taiji Ishimori. No. Neither of them needed the win. They're not a tag team. Um, cutting back to this match, though, Katarina runs in, shouts, what is wrong with you at Grado, who at this point is just a crying, blubbing mess on the floor. I love, <laughs> so good. I love Grado. She says she doesn't love him. She loves Joe Hendry, and Joe Hendry loves her. She kisses Joe Hendry. Joe Hendry pushed her away. Says he loved... Uh, <laughs> what did he say? Didn't you listen to the song? I yeah. only love you as a friend. Um, I thought that was re- actually a really good sort of swerve. It was. It was. I because as as we all know as wrestling fans, like very rarely does it not go as expected, and this totally went the opposite. It did. It where did. we sort of st- stuck with Grado. I really, really hope that this isn't just a double swerve now. Yeah, that would be really annoying. But I hope it's her chasing them now. <laughs> yeah, she slaps him um, after Hendry calls her an embarrassment. Um, I mean, I I love this segment. I thought the match worked into the storyline really well. Mm. Joe Hendry was made to look like an absolute beast, which he should do. He's fantastic, and Grado was Grado, who yeah. you know is fantastic as always. We cut I back. Think, to- I mean, one. the the whole um, at the start, I thought this was just obviously it's a laugh, but I thought oh, this, is, this is terrible. But the last couple of weeks, it's gotten much better and. This little bit of swerve at the end has made it even more interesting. And then you've got the possibility of maybe Katarina against Scarlet Bordeaux. I imagine that's the next logical step. Yeah. Um, I mean, the sooner we get Scarlet Bordeaux in the ring and off those stupid smokes show <laughs> segments, the better. Um, but we did cut to Hendry and Grado backstage, who just um, sort of cemented our thoughts that they are still pals. They say sorry to each other. They slap each other a bit, as men do. And that was that. We then get our Global Wrestling Network moment of the week. And it was Bully Ray winning the TNA title from Jeff Hardy with the help of those pesky, pesky aces and eights. I know, Mike Knox, D'Lo Brown. <laughs> oh, just, just all of the mid-carders. Um... <laughs> But yeah, it was an interesting storyline that unfortunately I think just lost a bit of momentum at the end. Yeah, um, especially when Hulk comes out with his unconvincing acting. <laughs> well, well, it's unconv- unconvincing everything. Um, we then get a Sue Young video package where they've got a, a coffin ready for Tessa. They'll be meeting later on in the show. This genuinely, I don't know why, but I was watching it and I was it generally creeped us out a bit. Sue Young's a creepy I, girl. I just think it's the way the camera cuts and stuff like that. It's quite jarring. Yeah. It, and the music. Our music's like genuinely scary. It's so different to anyone else on the roster as well at the moment, mm-hmm. obviously with Rosemary gone. Um, it's... I like it. I do like it. I do think it was yeah. the right decision to get the title offer. Um, mm-hmm. And... Well, well, we'll talk about Sue Young a bit more when we get to a match. Um, we cannot have an impact show at the moment without Scarlet Bordeaux, and this was the mercifully short segment that included her. Um, came and Falabara backstage, and Scarlet Bordeaux does some pointless flirting and said that she would do anything for a man like Falabar. <laughs> so she, they're sort of manager now. I mean, I don't care. 
<laughs> I mean, I know that she's billed as this this vixen, this diva, you know, this villainess. But I've just I think her acting is really poor. Yeah. Um and I mean I know she's good in the ring. I've seen footage of her in the ring. Just put her in the ring. If you want her to I be mean, a heel, look at what Tessa Blanchard's doing. Yeah. They could. I mean, they could, I, the the reason I thought is I thought they could make it work with the way they're pushing her as this sort of, um, sort of amazing sort of sexy men can't take their eyes off her type sort of character. They could use. They could have obviously Falibon, um came and sort of just to put together a couple of guys, but they could put the story as they're ascending up the three-rung ladder of tag teams. Yeah, exactly. Um, by distracting through the, her in every match, she comes out and the other team are all sort of goggly-eyed. I mean, it's pretty shit, but it would, I don't know, make it a little bit more interesting with Falibar and their team because there's just no, no reason for them. Work with Maria Canales. Um, <laughs> so we then get Eli Drake in the ring. Um, Eli Drake is fantastic on the microphone. I just feel like he's ever so slightly wasted in segments like this. Totally. He comes for his open challenge. Um, and who answers the open challenge? Chris? <laughs> uh, Chris? Chris? It was because I was going to say it's Chris Jericho. Darth, <laughs> it's not Chris Jericho, unfortunately. It's Stone Rockwell. <laughs> To which his music hit, and I actually out loud went, who the fuck is Stone Rockwell? I wrote down, what is Stone Rockwell? <laughs> Garth actually sent me a text saying, what is a Stone Rockwell? Um, to this to this day, ladies and gentlemen, I'm still not entirely sure what Stone Rockwell is. From what I can gather, he is an action, like, adventurer type guy on Impact's Twitch channel. Yeah, and he should stay there forever. <laughs> um, he has a bit of to and fro with Eli Drake. Um, Eli Drake absolutely owns him on the microphone, and then they have a very, 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 very quick match, of which is an instant gravy train, and Eli Drake wins after about eleven seconds. It's still a really long segment. It's a really long segment. I don't mind him destroying jobbers. I quite like seeing Eli Drake destroy jobbers, but please don't elongate the promo yeah. when it's not needed. Especially when the crowd are trying to fucking get in on it. Yeah. Toronto crowd, please stop. And I know it's already been taped, but please stop. It's incredibly <laughs> frustrating, especially when you're the only one doing it. I just, I wish they were doing more with Eli Drake. I mean, I'm guessing this is leading up to he's going to have an open chance and someone of note is going to come out. I mean, I'd love to see Trevor Lee. Someone who may be returning from injury or someone they've signed, maybe. I don't know. Potentially, potentially. I mean, Eli Drake's going to put on a good match, whoever he's with. But at the moment, they obviously don't have anything for him. Um, I know he's got some manner of show, One Night Only Night of the Dummies. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the storyline will be progressed there. I don't know. Uh, we will wait and see. We'll wait and see. Uh, we then get the Lucha Bros, who cut a promo uh, telling Brian Cage that they should join them uh, in their quest against OVE, but if he doesn't want to join them, then that's not a problem. They'll do it themselves. <laughs> it was 
a fairly pointless segment, yeah. if I'm honest. Um, we then get possibly <laughs> my favourite segment of the night, which was Moose, who's now Moose Money. <laughs> I was going to say, he just looks like an absolute he, gangster. Oh, he looks like an absolute grade-A douchebag, which is <laughs> fantastic. He's decked out in this horrible, shiny gold shirt, these horrible, shiny silver trousers. He looks like such a dickhead, but <laughs> it's brilliant. He's with Austin Aries and Killer Cross, who are hanging out backstage, refuse to be interviewed by Alicia, who arrives. And then Alicia Edwards comes in, yells at Moose, slaps him again. Austin Aries calms her down, says that he she needs to go and talk to her husband, and they're going to walk away while she calms down. And they gently exit the room. And it's just lovely, and everything they do in that segment is lovely. Yeah. <laughs> we then get our knockout title match uh, between the new champion, Tessa Blanchard. She won the title in the triple threat last week at Redefined, taking on Sue Young, who has initiated her rematch clause. Uh, no bridesmaids yeah. for Sue Young this week. Um, and they made, a, they made a sort of point of note on that as well. They did, which I thought was good. I thought the fact that they were focusing less on the bridesmaids and focusing on Sue Young herself, the character, I thought that was I thought that was the right way to go. This, yeah. for me, is the best Sue Young match I've seen. Definitely, yeah. Since I've been watching. Yeah. I would argue this was better than her match at Slammiversary against Madison Rain. Yeah, I think so, yeah. It, 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 it was more, it was much more fast-paced and yeah, sort absolutely of intense. Um, Tessa Blanchard was Tessa Blanchard. She was absolutely fantastic in the ring, as per usual. Yes, I gush about Tessa Blanchard, but that's because she's brilliant. The thing is, like Don Callis said, she's not only the best woman wrestler in the world; she's one of the best wrestlers in the world, and she is. Yeah, that's she's true. absolutely solid. She, she, everything she does looks like it hurts, and it looks sort of real. It looks really sort of stiff. Obviously yeah. it isn't. Short of, you know, the usual people, Cody, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Ricardo, people like that, Tessa Blanchard has one of the biggest buzzes around her at the moment. Definitely. Especially on the independent scene. Um, the two have a nice bit of back and forth. Uh, Sue Young obviously looks for the mandible claw. She looks for the panic switch. Uh, Tessa avoids both. Um, Tessa proceeds to hit a lot of power moves, uh, locks in Indian Deathlock, a Saito Suplex. Suyun gets quite a lot in, though, this time. She does, and that's what I liked. Um, Tessa then hit a draping flatliner, which I thought was quite cool. <laughs> um, there was one point now, and this was my favourite bit of the match. Tessa Blanchard rolls out of the ring, gets a chair. The referee stops her, so <laughs> Tessa sets up the chair. She sits in the chair, and... Young hits a cannonball off the apron onto Tessa, who is sitting on the chair. <laughs> it just it looked really good. Yeah, it looked good. really good. Um, there was a good point made by Josh Matthews as well, where he said um, Sue Young is still technically undefeated because she didn't lose the belt. She wasn't pinned. Exactly. I'm yeah, sure. was, she did say she pinned out. She hasn't been pinned yet, which is quite a good point. Um, Tessa hits a super cutter, which looked really cool, but again, yeah. only gets two. At this point, you think, what is 
Tessa Blanchard going to have to do to keep Su Young down. Uh, we get into the ending sequence, and uh, Tessa Blanchard counters the panic switch, hits the buzzsaw, which is the official title of her finisher, which I quite like that name, not yeah. going to lie. And I love that move. Yeah, it's a really good move. Um, and she retains the title. Correct result. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, after the match, the undead bridesmaids arrive. They open the coffin that we saw in the creepy, creepy vignette. Uh, Young attacks, lays out Tessa, hits the panic switch, drags her up the ramp, starts to put her in the coffin. But, oh, lo and behold, the heroes of the day, Ali and Hogan, make the most awkward save I've seen, and I think it wasn't helped by the fact that you've got two women attempting to run past a massive fuck-off coffin that yeah. is taking up the majority of the ramp. And um, the fact that they've run past the bridesmaids that haven't tried to stop them. Exactly. It was. It was. The idea was perfect. It was just. It was a little bit clunky in yeah. in execution. <laughs> the um, best part of it all is Tessa Blanchard stands up and goes. I didn't want your help. I didn't need it. Yeah, <laughs> just being that blatant dickhead heel, which was quite, which was quite funny. Um, but this way, we've got Ali keeping up her promise that she would stop Sue Young putting anyone else in a coffin, even if it means helping her, uh, helping her enemy in inverted commas, Tessa Blanchard. Um, I thought that the idea was brilliant. Again, as I've already said, it was a bit clunky. I thought that um, Sue Young had to sell very, very well because Kira Hogan barely hit her. Yeah, and dive off the stage. Yeah, she had to take a lovely dive off the stage, which was. I mean, it, it's good because it gets the cuff, it gets the sort of threat of a coffin in the match, which they're going to keep pushing now. I'm guessing for another title match. Yeah, yeah. Um, we then get to um the next backstage segment, which was between LAX and the OGs. Last week we had phone calls to both Conan and. King to meet at a rendezvous point, so we get that here. Were you slightly disappointed? I was just gonna say, what the fuck? I was like, I was expecting like a big name, somebody or like a tall, like someone of completely off, like sort of left field, but it's just three old dudes. It was looking past the fact that we didn't see anyone debuting or anyone returning or anyone, you know, a big secret reveal of who was in charge of LAX and the OGs, I thought the segment did its job. It was, it was all right. I mean, it obviously it showed you... It showed that King wasn't just a sort of small-time guy in that sort of story, even to the big bosses he acted up. Yeah, exactly. So, it, so it's obviously going to show you that, right, well, we've warned you. Because he acted like a complete dickhead at the end of this. <laughs> well, he said, you raised a snake, you must have known it would bite. Yeah. Which I thought was quite a nice line. It's really good, yeah. Um, the three people of the sort of the head of the gang have said that they are not happy. They've always said that there is no family and no children involved. However, King obviously hits that child with a car in attempted vehicular homicide. I think I've made my... <laughs> Views on that angle very, very clear. Um, but King wrote the code, and they have, as punishment, put LAX and Conan against the OGs and King in what they've dubbed the final war 
at Bound for Glory. And Conan and King get a lovely little face-off at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, King, uh, sorry, Conan says that he should have taken King out a long time ago and come October 14th in New York at Bound for Glory, he won't miss. Enjoyed yeah. this segment. Yeah, I like how they've, um, they've inserted them into the match as well. It's a good way of getting them in the match. Yeah, absolutely, sorry. Um, but I think... Um, I don't know how much of obviously Conan's actually going to be in the match. Yeah. Bear in mind he can barely walk. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I imagine it'll be very much based around weapons. Yeah. Um, here's here's an interesting uh, tidbit. Go on. Um, did you know that Conan is Rey Mysterio's sort of manager? Did not he know basically, that. He basically does like everything for him. Huh. Yeah. I did Only, not know uh, that. He's a. I was just I listened to an interview the other day and he said, yeah, Conan does, he's brought him up through wrestling and he's looked out for him all the time and he's, yeah, he's like, he says he's like a brother. There's quite a few wrestlers who've said good things and, you know, quite paternal things about Conan in a way. Well, um, Jericho loves him. Jericho loves him. All of those guys love him. Who was the girl? Taya Valkyrie. Um, the Mrs. Johnny Impact. Um, oh, yeah. She was saying how much Conan helped her when she went down to Mexico. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's a common theme, I think, that Conan apparently is an absolute diamond backstage. Yeah. I just thought that was really interesting. <laughs> um, we then got a six-man tag squash, and it was the most fun squash I've seen in a while. It was OVE <laughs> taking on the team of Ace Austin, Trey Miguel, and Zachary Wentz. I thought I this thought was really, really good. ridiculously good fun. It, it was, yeah. Um, the there was one moment where all three members, Ace Austin, Trey Miguel, and Zachary Wentz, all did some ridiculous high flying moves. So it started off with um, Wentz, who kicks Sammy Callahan in the gut, then runs off the ropes, uses the still bent over Sammy Callahan as a base, leaps off the back of Sammy Callahan, corkscrews onto. Everyone on the outside. Trey then hits a Rana on the floor before Ace hits an apron blockbuster. And it, that was Plus. literally all in the space of about 10, mi- 10 seconds. It was incredible. Yeah. Um, however, from there, OVE take control. Yeah. I mean, Callahan hits this absolute almighty like lariat. He takes Zachary Wentz's head off. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dave Christ, who I think might be my favourite character in OVE, just that understated <laughs> psycho. Um, it's horrible. He hits like a almost like a go to sleep. Yeah. Um, but on the back of his head. Yeah, it it looked like he made full contact. It yeah. didn't look like he was so like he made full contact. Um, OVE eventually triple team. The All-Seeing Eye, which is a really, really good, underrated finisher for the victory. This was sub-four minutes, but good grief, it was good fun. It was. It was just, it was just sort of bang, 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 move, move, move. Um, and then, obviously, it showed you that OV just oh, they can dominate. Yeah, which is what they've needed. Because especially the Christ brothers have taken a lot of punishment at the hand of Pentagon. Yeah. And a fi- and at Phoenix, so they needed they need this for a couple more weeks now. Definitely, um, that's good. 
OVE continues to beat up the jobbers afterwards, and then Sammy Callahan gets a microphone, puts his feet on the prone body of one of the jobbers whilst he's talking, which was quite not quite nice. Um, I love as well the fact that Jake Christ copies everything Sammy Callahan does. <laughs> he's the that sort of yeah, like that sort of unnerving cycle. Just it's oh, it's so funny. Um, but the kicks kicks are excellent. <laughs> yeah, they are. Um, Sammy Callahan basically says the opposite of what the Lucha Brothers have said. Says this. Brian Cage, of all the men you don't want to call out, don't call out Brian Cage. The man's a behemoth. Just says, <laughs> if he wants to be involved, then they will never, ever, ever forget. They are going to fight with the Lucha Brothers forever, forever, forever. And then they got that chant going. And that was that. Yeah. They're, they're outside of sort of WWE. They're, they must be the, one of the biggest factions because everybody seems to love them. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, finally, we get Moose, <laughs> who is explaining why he turned. Um, basically, in summary, I thought Moose spoke extremely well. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought like so, it kind of made sense what he said as well. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say it made complete sense his turn, which is good. Um, I thought the crowd chanting douche instead of moose really made me laugh as well, um, especially as um, they referenced it later on in the uh, in the exchange. Um, as summary, as a summary, moose basically said that when Eddie has had issues, whoever it's with, moose has always been there. When Sammy Callahan attacked him, hit broke his face, moose was there. When moose, when um, Eddie Edwards had all these issues with Tommy Dreamer. Moose was there. When Eddie has had issues with Alicia, Moose has been there. When Moose was concussed after Slammiversary, Eddie didn't call, or Eddie wasn't there. The person who was there for him was Killer Cross, who doesn't exactly (laughs) strike me as the paternal type, if I'm perfectly honest. Uh, There's a man here with flowers. Oh, send him in. And it's Killer Cross. (laughs) Yeah, just Um, grinning. Eddie never called. But the person who did call was Austin Aries. And I love the fact that at this point, they cut to Austin Aries. Austin Aries is nodding with his smile on his face, doing the phone thing with his hands. He's, it's amazing. He's so, he's so good. He's so, he gets it. He does. He's just, he's on the pulse all the time. Um, He then just says that Aries said that he won't get anywhere. He'll never be champion if he continues to cater to, to, cater to idiots like those in the Toronto crowd. And after hearing some of the chants, it's difficult to... Uh, disagree with him. Um, however, at this point, we bring out Johnny Impact. Um, I thought it's a surprise. I wasn't expecting that. No, I wasn't. I wasn't really expecting it. If I'm perfectly honest, I'd heard rumours that he was going to be the next number one contender. But obviously, you know, with different things with Congo Kong, I think he's also got a dislocated elbow. Um, I thought that they might have put this off, but nevertheless, he came down to the ring. They had a little bit of banter with um, Austin Aries. Austin Aries eventually just says, right, well, come on, you can come and have a go. Impact says, no, absolutely not. I know what happens. Moose and Killer Cross will attack me if I come in there. He then baits Austin Aries by saying, if that banana in your pocket is as big, small as everyone thinks it is. Yeah, that's <laughs> so good. Austin Aries is so angry. <laughs> exactly. Dick puns for days. 
And apparently that is the thing that really cheeses off Artenarius, who makes his way out of the ring, gets owned before eventually Moose Killer Cross. Artenarius, the, the numbers game takes a yeah. hold. Um, they lock the double submission on Artenarius with Killer Cross locking in his submission whilst Artenarius locks in the figure four with Moose fighting off the security. Um, they then do what they did to Eddie Edwards, uh, where they lock the chair around his neck and hit it with another chair. And that was that. Um, I have one issue with this match. Yeah. Sorry, with this segment. Um, I thought that everyone who was in the segment performed their piece perfectly. I thought Johnny Impact was you know, very charming, as he is. I thought Austin Aries was absolutely sensational, as he always is. The one thing I have an issue with is why has Johnny Impact been given a match at Bound for Glory? No idea. <laughs> because it felt like that was very much an afterthought. It's just been sort of plonked in there. I mean, what what happened to his feud with... Um, Congo Kong. Congo Kong, yeah. Well, he's still in that swimming pool. All right. <laughs> God. Just, just floating. Just floating. Um, yeah, that was my one issue. It just felt like, you know, I liked the fact that we are moving on from Eddie Edwards, who I presume is going to make a return at some point to screw Austin Aries. We can yeah. hope. Um, but yeah, I just felt like the motive behind giving Johnny Impact a match at Bound for Glory seemed very convoluted. Yeah. Um. But, you know, as the weeks progress, I'm sure we'll see a bit more. Um, I'm liking the faction of Ares Moose Money, it, which is how I'm going to refer to him forever now, <laughs> and Killer Cross. I really love that. The idea yeah, of Killer Cross taking care of Moose in the hospital, just sponging his brow. <laughs> it's just, it's a lovely thing to have in your head. Um, I mean, when you look at them as well, they're both big, big guys. Yeah. It's not many people, it, there aren't many people who can make Moose look like a small bloke. Yeah. But Killer Cross does it quite comprehensively. They make they make it look even bigger by the fact that Austin Aries must be about five foot six. Yeah, it doesn't help that he's small, does it really? <laughs> he is a tiny, tiny bloke. Um but yes, that is the end of Impact and Ring of Honor. Um overall, Garth, I think both were extremely solid shows. Yeah, um, yeah. Lots, Impact, lots they seem to have finally cracked their running order, um, the way their show runs together, which is perfect. Yeah. Thank God for that. Hopefully that continues next week. Um, Ring of Honor, again, really good show. I thought the main event was outstanding. Um, just it needed to be a little, a little bit less... Yeah. A little shorter, shall we say. But that is me being extremely pedantic. For what it was, for what it was billed as, it was a sensational match. Overall, a really, really good week of wrestling, Garth. And I'll yeah, look forward really. to next week. Yeah, definitely. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. In the meantime, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very, very much for listening. You can follow Podmania at Podmania on Twitter, at Podmania on Facebook. We have got a brand new website www.podmania.co.uk it has been all renovated please go and check it out I do insist if you do want to talk to me you can find me on twitter at, at @realrobgoodwin. Garth where can they find you I'm at Drummer Jackson fantastic 
keep an eye out on our YouTube channel for the next installment of our Podmania Pro Wrestling series. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We will talk to you guys again soon. Okay, guys.